Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast and joining me today are return guests Robert Breedlove and Knut von Holm took uh, two hours out of their day to sit down and just have a meandering conversation. There were no plans for this one. It was a blank canvas just wherever it took us and um, I hope you enjoy it. Before we start the show, of course, I want to give a shout out to the show sponsors. That's coinfloor.co.uk forward slash bitten. And it's in the US, swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten. Both of these companies, as you know by now, are Bitcoin only. And they're there to help you start your stacking journey if you're new or up your game. Uh, look after your stack. Help your educational journey down the rabbit hole. They will shine the light down the rabbit hole for you. And, you know, they've both been... Kind enough to, to show trust and interest in this show, and for that, I am forever thankful. Please go and check out the once-bitten.com website if you want to learn a little bit more about myself. My book is on there. You can learn a bit about that and uh, order yourself a copy from Amazon if you are so inclined. I hope you enjoy this show with Knut and Rob. Thanks again, guys, for coming on. I'll catch you afterwards. Enjoy and take care. Guys, we're recording. Knut Svonholm, Robert Breedlove, welcome back to the Once Bitten Podcast. Great to have both of you gents. How are you doing? Thank you. Good. Great, great to be back. Great to be back. In fact, this, this, I think this is the third time officially, Knut, because uh, we did one for 21ism as well, uh, which I will release uh, soon. And the same for you, Rob. So you guys are, um, you're, you're well on the circuit. Really appreciate it. And uh, as usual, uh, I have some younger people in the room to ask some questions. Rob, you've met Samuel a couple of times. Uh, Knut, I know you're more familiar with, with Lauren, but Lauren is not here tonight. And nor is Caitlin. So we've got two stand-ins. We've got Sophia and Samuel. And people are probably thinking, how many kids has this guy got? This is ridiculous. <laughs> So, but this is the lot now. So, uh, Samuel, what, what did you want to shoot off with uh, with your question for Rob? Okay, so that this into the into the mic into the mic. Okay, this wasn't really my question. This is um, Daddy's. Oh, mate, you're, really, you're, you're, you're giving away oh, the backstory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Robert, why did you um, cut your hair? Um, you know, I, I joke that there's only two low time preference haircuts in the world. Uh, low, low time preference meaning you're thinking long term, saving as much money as possible and stacking as many sats as possible. So you can either not get any haircuts at all and just let it grow, which is what I did for about three years, or you can cut it all off and start over. So I got to the start over phase. 
I, I had the, I used the, a third option, which is also low time preference. My wife cuts my hair. <laughs> the same for me, the same for me that, that, that's been, uh, yeah, the, the last year it's just been get the buzzers out and cut my hair. Uh, did, did you, have although any... I would argue it's that that's still slightly higher time preference because you still have to waste your time every three weeks or month getting your hair cut. Whereas I, I wouldn't complete, call it waste. I was free for three years. I wouldn't call it wasted having her cut it. No, that's it's, it's not a waste of time. It, when you can grope <laughs> the hairdresser legally, it's all good, Rob. You, you, you know, I'm, I'm having my hair cut every three days. Yeah. <laughs> you, you guys, you realize that this is the this is like the worst pitch for Bitcoin ever, right? Right? <laughs> like stacks that stack sets get rich on Bitcoin and never afford a haircut again in your life. <laughs> Adopt sound money and stop cutting your hair. <laughs> did, did you have a real question for Rob? Or, or are you done? Are you spent? That was it. <laughs> you, you were going to ask it about the time, weren't you? Like, uh... Oh, yeah. What time is it over there? Can you and Robert? Uh, I'm currently in Kauai. So it's the uh, one of the westernmost islands in Hawaii, and it is 1030 in the morning. Yeah, and I'm in in Sweden, and it's nine or nine thirty here, same as in France, I believe. Rob is on the other side of the planet, literally the opposite side of the planet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, Sophia, do you have any questions for Knut? I do. Um, how will Bitcoin um, affect the environment? Oh, that's a very good question. I just wrote an article about that and I shared it with Mr. Hodlonot for the magazine Citadel 21. And I shared it with uh, my friends Yoni Appleberg and Guy Swan as well. And I hope that there's a video coming for that one. We'll see, hopefully. And I think it will affect the uh, environment in a positive way. And uh, one part of that is what it does to the human mind uh, when you're not incentivized. Do you know that word? Incentivized is kind of a hard word. Uh, <laughs> like uh, the way money functions nowadays is uh, makes you want to spend them because they get less valuable over time. With sound money or Bitcoin, uh, you will... You will not want to to uh, to spend them, but uh, you will want to save them, which is why all of us three don't get haircuts because we want to save our money. Uh, Bitcoin did that to our brains, uh, so uh, so that's why we don't cut our hair. So uh, the the hairdresser doesn't need to buy uh, <laughs> things for his hair salon that uh, are bad for the environment, allegedly, or. <laughs> This is getting pretty far-fetched, but uh, do you get what I'm going for here? We will not spend uh, a lot of money on, on stupid Christmas gifts and, and stuff like that. Maybe I shouldn't say that to kids. <laughs> but, <laughs> and the other thing is that the Bitcoin miners can put up miners where, wherever there's uh, cheap electricity like renewable electricity, real renewable electricity, they can put them up anywhere on the globe and, and attach a mining rig to that location, which means that Bitcoin will function as a battery for the, for the electricity. But instead of storing the electricity in a battery, which 
normal batteries don't don't work that well over long periods of time. So instead, you can store it in Bitcoin and and save it forever. And I think once once the owners of of power plants and the investors in power plants realize this, we will have a a boom in renewables because. It, Earlier, uh, earlier on in history, you had to, you always had to to build a power plant close to a human settlement or close to a city, close to civilization, because you can't transport electricity uh, over large distances. But with Bitcoin, you can still profit from the electricity by uh, by storing it in Bitcoin instead. Uh, the profit from the, the electricity, you can convert it into mon money directly, and this will boost the uh, development of new technologies and, and new uh, uh, developments in renewable energy. I hope that answers your question. It did, thank you. Yeah, so it's a brighter, a greener future, the orange future. Rob, did you have anything to add uh, on that? Or at all? Um, there's one other area I think is really interesting is <clears throat> there's a connection between how well private property rights are protected and how well we protect the natural environment. So you can think of a private property right as um, your, your exclusive uh, access to an asset, a piece of land or a piece of capital or whatever. And when, when, you ha when you have ownership rights in something, you have an incentive to protect it. So, what is the old saying that if you, um, I can't think of the old saying right now, but essentially you can think of a private property right as responsibility. And in the world today, we have a lot of public property. <clears throat> so owners of private property have an incentive to externalize pollution onto public property because there's no one with skin in the game, basically guarding or taking responsibility for the public property. So I think with Bitcoin, bankrupting this nation state model of organization and probably public property in a lot of way, we'll see a lot more private property rights. And that means a lot more people diligently watching over uh, their, their, the plot of earth that they own, right? The one that they have responsibility over that will actually drive uh, a cleaner environment forward. You need people with responsibility over everything to protect it. Uh, is the gist of it. I think that's that's um, created through private property rights. Yeah, orange is the new green. Perfect. That's right. Yeah. You, you guys have any more questions about that? I don't think so. No? Nope. nope. You want to say goodnight then, guys? Good night. Bye. Good night, guys. Good night, guys. And, and don't forget your extra short. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good morning, Robert. <laughs> morning guys <laughs> i want to find that quote now you're looking for the <laughs> rob are you, are you telling me you, you've come to a podcast without any notes or any kind of uh what's going on i have no notes i have a, I have a blank sheet of paper oh my i God. actually usually just start with i usually just start with a blank sheet of paper and then type up ideas as they come but this one escapes me so i need to look it up so mm -hmm. It's uh, thanks for asking. Thanks for answering the kids' questions, as as always, guys. Uh, this one's pretty open. So, when we had it, we've had it set up for a little while. Uh, Rob, you got held up in um, in Asia, I believe, uh, trying to make your way back. Was is there any is there any relevant story yeah. there? That uh, how are you doing? Uh, uh, 
No, we can, we can talk about it later. Not here. <laughs> oh, okay. It was just, <laughs> let's just say that it's a corrupt world. Oh man. All right. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'll, uh, I'll start by saying, uh, I'm on episode seven of the sailor series now, Rob. I've been binge watching awesome. them since uh, since last we spoke, and uh, I really like the way he thinks. He thinks like an engineer uh, all the way, and it's very interesting to hear his perspective on 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 these things. Right. Yeah. He's. I. I think he's one of the most brilliant minds of our time, and the whole energy framework for money is brilliant. Yeah. You know, I've always looked at it as. A representation of time but the deeper i get into it i feel like they're almost indistinguishable like you know work is the capacity to i'm sorry power is work over time yeah right and energy fuels work over time so it's it's uh this proof of work we're talking about that proves both the sacrifice of time and energy and those are yeah. both deeply related to money yeah and they're interconnected via e equals mc squared right that's right exactly yeah 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 so it's 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 very interesting and i'm looking forward to the rest of it great job well Thanks done you. We it's got, been excellent nine uh, episodes up and one more at least to come good to hear that wow i've got uh, some binge watching to do I, i'm only two episodes in and, and enjoying it <laughs> very much um and i was uh awesome yeah lucky enough to uh been exposed to a, almost a, a two-hour uh, episode he did on uh, Safe Dean's podcast uh, yesterday, where Safe he he records uh, like the, his weekly bi-weekly forums now and, and releases them as podcasts. So I agree with you both. It's um yeah, yeah that like the depth he goes into um historically and uh, scientifically, <clears throat> we're all learning a great deal, and uh, it's great to have um, a whale on side as well. It, talk about first principles, right? Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, in, in case that way, I do, if you're, if you're only on episode two, it's it's episodes one through three, or he's basically laying the groundwork, the first principles groundwork, and then episode four starts to actually heat up. So, I'll be excited to hear your feedback when you get that far. Yeah. yeah then it gets into that. Bitcoin, and that, that's where the that's where the interesting stuff happens. Yeah. Rob, while while you're looking for that quote, uh, I have a question for you, or a, a request. Right. <laughs> Where okay. both me and Daniel are planning on going to the Bitcoin 2021 conference in Miami, but we yeah. don't even know if we're allowed to go to the U.S. by then. So, uh, is there any chance that you could land me a gig there so I could go up for one and a half minutes and play my "fuck you money" song and then go off stage and <laughs> and get the ticket for free? <laughs> i am definitely not in charge of that but we can put you in touch with ck see what they can do yeah <laughs> thanks i think it's a great it's a great song <laughs> thank being you yeah. at least play it at the steak dinner somewhere and an after show uh, i'm sure you'll be uh, well received some country and western bar somewhere uh and we should also uh, mention the fact for, uh, hopefully I'll drop this on YouTube, but uh, Rob, uh, you, you're wearing, uh, it seems you're a fanboy of Canute with, with the t-shirt. Oh yeah. Managed to bootleg. <clears throat> one of my, <laughs> one of my uh, supporters sent me this. 
That's actually added the few understand under there, which is pretty cool. Uh, which I don't know what we decided to cap. call it the meta ratio or the whatever infinity divided by 21 million. Um, yeah, almost tattoo worthy. It's pretty cool. Almost tattoo worthy. Yeah. Tattoos are though a uh, high time preference in my. Uh... <laughs> okay, Rob, Rob, in, come in, on. You got to come view. back with this. Yeah. You got to come back with this because uh, well, well, we know you got the. Yeah. Not, in, not if it's this tattoo. This, this tattoo is <laughs> oh. low time preference by definition. Do you know that the ink stays in your. What are these glands called that you have here? I don't recall the English word. That's, that's like. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's part of the immune system, and and the tattoo ink stays there for the rest of your life. Lucky me! <laughs> so I only had to do it once, right? That wouldn't be your lymph node, would it? I mean, it's just the A node lymph is very, node. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The node is verifying the ink. Yeah. <laughs> it is, yeah. and it's a, it should be a full node since your tattoo is so close to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so well, you're running one. Phone, so uh, yeah. I think it's a worthy sacrifice. Yeah, I guess you're excused. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. I guess I should take charge of this show at some point and, and figure out a topic that we're going to talk about. Uh, we um, we have had this lined up for a little while, but so much has happened. Like just this last week, incredible amounts has happened. Uh, we've got the Elon thing going on. Uh, we've got uh, Taleb coming out and just um, trying to shit all over Bitcoin which has gone uh, pretty crazy. Uh, we both, uh, we have both of you guys working on uh, your your writing. Uh, Rob, you are uh, writing your book. You're also doing your your sailor series that I'm, I'm assuming has finished, but there might be something more in the works from you. Knut, you're, you're always working on some kind of article or something is going on. So, so what do you guys want to talk about? Is there one particular thing that uh, we should delve into? I could comment on the Taleb thing. Uh, I think it's <laughs> I, I, it's it's kind of obvious to me why he does what he does. Uh, he sold his Bitcoin because he's an old man and he took a, 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 he made a huge profit. It's 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 not that hard to figure out why he did it, and he got a chance to not so subtly uh, bash Safedine at the same time. Uh, and I'm I'm enjoying the show, <laughs> and I'm I'm enjoying seeing him slaughtered by by the plebs afterwards. Like kill your heroes, it it's glorious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's that that phrase "kill your heroes" sounds you know, really violent and gnarly, but it's just it means to I guess realize that ideas are what ultimately matter in the marketplace there's no you can yeah. never trust one individual like wholly i know it's it, there's sort of a human instinct to want to do that or you want to vest your trust in a leader or or a thought leader or whatever it may be and taleb you know frankly he's as he's been very influential in my writing and my thinking he is one of the greatest thinkers of our age that doesn't mean that by the you know he's just 100 right about everything so I saw, I sensed, well, a couple of things. One, the tweet I put out, he said Bitcoin failed as a currency, which I actually agree with, because I think if we define currency as the domain of government, right, the, the money substitute imposed by monopolists, 
Um, whereas something like gold is actually geopolitical money. So when countries go to war uh, and settle disputes with one another, they, they want to settle in gold, not, not fiat currency. Um, that's what that's where Bitcoin is playing. It's playing in that geopolitical sphere that it's actually disruptive to gold, which over time makes the concept of currency obsolete, I think, at least a national currency. I think it just won't even be a term in the future. It's just going to be you know, money or Bitcoin. So not that not to say that he was stating it, making his commentary in the spirit of that, but I actually think it's correct that currency goes away as a result of Bitcoin. His uh, comments just seemed very charged with vitriol about the spat between him and Saifedean. So, I mean, that's just, you know, it's silly. That's letting your emotions get into the, into the, into business affairs, I guess you would say, but, or could be playing 4D chess and this is his version of a boating accident, you know, what it is. Um, But at the end of the day, I think for people in general, the people that were disappointed by this, like, oh my God, Taleb, our hero, he's going against Bitcoin. It's like, whoa, 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 kill your heroes, right? Be a critical thinker, absorb the ideas that make sense and and are fit to that survive critical analysis and discard the rest. Don't anchor your trust to an individual, I think is the lesson. That's that's a part of the, the rabbit hole that we haven't uh, uh, haven't really thought of. Like uh, in the long run, I think we all agree that Bitcoin makes for a more truthful or more uh, honest world. Like people will be uh, like lying and backstabbing and playing, as you say, 4D chess will be less profitable but but in the transition during the transition period i i believe we will see a lot of 4d chess and just like people people claiming that they're that they've they've sold all their bitcoin or people claiming boating accidents or whatever and like backstabbing and stuff for it in order to just accumulate in in this uh, these early phases of yeah. this thing well, the boating accident, so, sure. I, don't, I don't know if that's even, I mean, I know if you actually say I had a boating accident and lost some of my Bitcoin, that's a lie. But the spirit uh, of what that I says is like none of your business, right? <laughs> yeah. Which I think is good OPSEC. Everyone should say it's none of your business how much Bitcoin I hold. Yeah, 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 of course. And you can say that uh, to everyone. But, but what, uh, do you think there might be something in that that uh, people might be uh, like less honest and less truthful during the transition period, just because of they they have to be. I, I guess in a uh, when when you're about to lose trust in the government and in all the old institutions, you you you'll have to be sort of sneaky about everything, right. especially with uh, with all the censorship and all the uh, Big Brother th- bullshit going on in the social media platforms. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, you know, the waters will be choppy and murky in the transition. But I also think even in the distant future, what we're calling this, like, say we move into this future of sovereignism, where everything, Bitcoin has consumed all money. It's totally revamped all of our social institutions as a result. I don't think people will, I don't know if it would be all, but I would imagine most people just wouldn't talk about how much Bitcoin they have. Right, it would just be private dealings. So you enter yeah. you enter into a contract for services or, 
or whatnot, and you transact directly, but it's not like you're going to publicly broadcast your, your hoard. Um, yeah, but, so, but I'm so thinking more just being, money becoming more of a private affair, whereas today it's the government is in everyone's business. That just won't be a thing in the future. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, the, the question was more in general terms than just connected to how much Bitcoin you have. Like, I, I think we, we, we might be moving into a, an era of more dishonesty, mostly because of all the, the censorship and like when it's so obvious that the governments and, and the big, uh, big tech are in cahoots with each other. With each other, with each other. Yeah. Uh, pe people don't seem like if if you're forced to to change your narrative to um in order to fit into a, a certain box in order not to be censored you I, I guess that makes the overall quality of the content content on online less less honest and less yeah less interesting i would say uh, yeah i don't know it's a, it's a there's not a bright line there really because if you think about a coercive authority saying tell us how much bitcoin you have so we can tax you and you choose to not disclose like is that really is that a lie or are you just uh, someone's basically declaring war on you by threatening you with coercion or violence and you're not complying right is non-compliance a lie i don't it no, no, kind of murky. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sort of, I'm drifting away to, to another subject here about the, about the social media platform and the censorship on YouTube and, and the likes mm -hmm. of it. Uh, uh, the when Trump was banned and all of this stuff, uh, like, uh, maybe there isn't a Bitcoin connection there really, but but I do agree. Uh, people ought to not talk about money i mean it's courtesy it's it's basic courtesy right nice people don't talk about money and here we are yeah. on the pod about money <laughs> talking about the money of tomorrow <laughs> every week yeah. well so a very uh good round out um well thought out response to taleb uh, mine was not, mine was way more emotional. I thought the guy was just a complete cock for what he was doing um, <laughs> and uh, what he said. And I read it and reread it and reread it again. And it's um, when, when you think about how, how he makes money, right? His business is advising um, uh, companies, uh, investment um, funds or hedge funds or whatever else or governments around the world and, and how to respond to to risk and tail risk. And, and the, the last sentence there was calling out COVID deniers and who's the biggest sector out there at the moment, um, questioning, not denying, but critically arguing and logical thinking around COVID. It was a full-on attack. Um, what, what were we called? Um, amoebas, I think. So was... Uh, sociopaths yeah. and amoebas and yeah. uh this was the reason he was selling his bitcoin it was very inflammatory it was uh you know it wasn't it, it was just it was so anything. ridiculous uh, but Everything then again it comes out of his mouth is inflammatory yeah yeah <laughs> right. his his agreeableness level is really low i mean but, but yeah. so is so is safetyins if we if we're being honest yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah i i guess i i didn't feel 
personally attacked by the amoeba statement I, i'm like I'm, we're, what covid deniers we're just denying denying government inter intervention we're not de denying that there's a virus going uh, around mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. those are two different things the real danger is not in the virus it's in the interventionism right so that's, that's right. what we're opposed to and not not we're not denying anything or yeah. climate change deniers or w whatever they call us like like uh, I, I don't deny science. I'm not an expert on the topic, so I don't think I'm uh, like, uh, I haven't seen enough data to, to have really an opinion about climate change and how much uh, we're, uh, humankind is responsible for that. I guess there's a problem somewhere, but uh, what, I, what, I'm firmly, what, what I firmly believe is that politicians can't change the weather and they never will. That's <laughs> but, right. Yeah. That, that's my opinion that that's the important opinion don't leave it to the politicians regardless of the like problem we're we're quote unquote the you know pandemic deniers which are what we are actually are advocating for a free market response right exactly. that is what would best meet the needs and most satisfy the most wants of the most people worldwide yeah. it's, it's this is again back into human action Every time a government body makes an arbitrary decision to go to take confiscate resources, frankly, not like not listen to the market and go and attack a specific problem or try to resolve a specific want, they're withdrawing productive factors from the free market economy. So there are other wants going unmet. So the government can then deploy that capital towards their own politicized ends or agendas. And that's what this COVID response is. It's like every time we close down a border or add another uh, another set of paperwork or check the box regulations or a fine or a COVID test, they're just manipulating the market's ability to respond to the problems introduced by the virus and clear the errors as a result. So that's what we're advocating, I would say, is we're advocating for an uninhibited praxeological response to the virus versus this arbitrary you know, group of bureaucrats somehow have more intelligence than the collective intelligence of the free market to figure things out. Like, it's just, it's nonsensical. And you get, it's not even a philosophical problem. It's a compute problem. It's like, how many minds do we want working on this problem? Do we want everyone's mind, the collective intelligence of the free market, coordinated by the price signal resolving this? Or do we want this handful of politically privileged bureaucrats figuring it out for us? Exactly. There's a whole section in Independence Reimagined about this, about how... Uh how these words uh, come to be like the like climate denier now covid denier islamophobe or uh, homophobe and all of these like they're all words uh, that are uh, uh, the there's an agenda behind the world behind the word a political agenda behind the yeah. word and orwell described this in 1984 I, um, the, the the term orwellian is getting tiresome but but it's so true uh, it, it was such a, a a brilliant book uh and uh like like the police force there is called the ministry of love and and you can see that all over the place like in canada and australia and all this uh, like like who would have believed five years ago that the police the police force would behave in those ways in 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 Canada and Australia as they have been during the the COVID crisis? It's 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 just it's very scary and very sad. It's like the term conspiracy theorist, right? It's manufactured yeah, yeah. by 
those that are being scrutinized <laughs> by yeah. uh, by people, you know, buying into the quote unquote conspiracy. And that is the again, if we consider free speech is the mechanism by that which refreshes our hierarchy, right? It's those that are on top of that hierarchy that don't want to be refreshed. They want to mm. stay on top. So they try to manipulate the speech. They try to bastardize the language. This too is uh, liberals and conservatives, right? There, there's no libertarian element in the political structure today. No, that's right? because so libertarian is antithetical to <laughs> the political structure itself. So, but they've yeah. bastardized the language to get people thinking in terms of red or blue, liberal, liberal conservatives. So it's amazing how manipulation of the language and of prices, which are both, you know, uh, instruments of the logos, as I've argued in my writing, they're really used to corral people and manipulate, manufacture consent, as Chomsky would say. Yeah, I would say the man manipulation of language and manipulation of money are very connected. They're, they're basically the same thing. I would say, yeah. uh, like, intervention, monetary interventionism is, is sort of a... a, a, a not in line with free speech. I mean, it's 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 a violation of free speech laws, especially yeah. with Bitcoin, which is just code. It's ones and zeros, and we're not allowed to express them to each other in, in any way we like. We don't have free speech. It never existed. It's it's nowhere, nowhere on earth. As long as you have someone governing you, there's no such thing as free speech. By by definition, if you're governed, right. you can't say what you want. And, and pe people don't seem to, uh, uh, and the speech has been so, uh, so violated and so manipulated that, that people aren't even thinking these thoughts. And it, it takes, a, it took me half a lifetime to get to where I am intellectually about these things, because it's really hard to, to like break out of your, of your mental cages, uh, when, when language is so diluted, uh, and war is peace uh, like freedom is slavery and uh, uh, it's really happening mm. just as orwell predicted yeah it's um and for, for those people that that might be tuning in that are kind of new to the show or, or new to bitcoin how, how would you go to to those people and, and explain what we're trying to talk about here you know we're trying to educate people that you know money is a form of communication yeah uh money is a linguistic tool uh, that we have in order to express value to each other it's basically just uh like a a, a dollar bill is a piece of paper with some text on it it's it's in that sense it's no different from like a, a comic book which also has a value and there's there are pictures and texts in that as well so so it's basically just a, a means of expression and uh, the value uh, is part of that fr uh, free expression i mean when we when we engage in conversation with each other we exchange uh words with each other words which have different values to us and a, conver a, co a conversation can be more or less valuable uh, uh, and everything uh, th this is like 
everything is a trade, right? Uh, every every time we interact, we we exchange something for something else. And right now, we three are exchanging words with each other. We're, we're exchanging ideas. So we trade uh, uh, we trade ideas with each other uh, because we think we have something to gain from it. Uh, either either we think we have something to gain by by educating the other person uh, and getting them to to uh, agree with us, we, or we 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 think we have something to gain by listening to the other person or both or regardless of which we're always trading with each other that's what speaking is there's no, there's no there's no there there there's there's no line between uh, interacting and trading trading is just a form of of interacting with the with the other person and but humanity has a, a, humans have a tendency to box things in and to to like put borders on what what life is what death is what an animal is what a human is what a tree is and what language is and what money is but the lines are really quite blurry between between trading and and just having a conversation uh, so i believe every uh, like i said i i don't believe there there has ever been free speech in any country but uh, because as long as we're governed we can't really express what we truly feel, uh, including uh, in monetary terms. Yeah, it's it's as if we're going, socioeconomic systems across history have been going this direction, right? We've seen, uh, you could say we have free speech light maybe in, in Western civilization where we can mostly say what we want that's not 100% true, but mostly. But what we can't do is attach energy to those ideas freely, right? Because that's what money ultimately is, is putting your life energy into an idea and making it a reality. You're attaching capital to a concept and making it real, building a building, developing a business, a technology, whatever it is. Yeah. So the way I like to think about money is, you know, we, the only way mankind can create wealth and become more energy or economically efficient, which is just to say, uh, create more results per unit of effort, right? To increase our productivity. The only way possible for humanity to do this is through trade, right? We must each, this is economics 101 comparative advantage. Uh, if you're better at making hats, I'm better at making boots. We both, it's a positive sum game that we both specialize and engage in trade. We, we actually create more output per unit of energy or time spent um, input. And so money just emerges from that process. We, we must trade to be more efficient, more wealthy. The thing that emerges as the most tradable asset in an economy is money by definition. It's just the thing that everyone else is most likely to accept and trade. And in that way, and I get this somewhat from the sailor framework where he calls his actually answer to the question, what is money is money is the highest form of energy that mankind can channel. And so I would say that money is sort of this meta energy and that it can be used as a claim on the creative energies of anyone anywhere, right? It's pure optionality in the marketplace. So if someone's good at, you know, making hats or someone's good at 
burning coal and providing electricity or someone's good at building a house, right? These are all forms of energy, different forms, kinetic, chemical, electrical, whatever it may be. Money holds claim to all of that. It prices all of that and can be used to acquire any of that. So in that lens, it's like to be able to control money, to control the meta energy of the world economy, that is to control people, right? That's why this, that's why the institution that specialized in violence historically, whoever the biggest thug in the room has always given into the temptation to control the money. This is the old thing, like uh, he who has the gold makes the rules. Because if you can control the money, you're controlling the energy of everyone in that economic network. You can now guide it as you see fit arbitrarily. It's the ultimate power in the world. It is absolute power to control the money. And that's what central banking is today, right? It is the institution that has taken control of the money. Uh, and there's a long and checkered history behind that. There's been many iterations of it. And the Fed, the one that's currently dominant in the world, is just the latest, most sophisticated and sinister iteration of central banking. And, you know, to control people's time and energy and to be able to steal their time and energy arbitrarily at an effortless keystroke. The Fed can just strike a key on their centralized database, which is the US dollar, an SQL database maintained in the Federal Reserve that no one else can modify. If they can modify that database of who owns what arbitrarily, they are able to steal time and energy from everyone that uses dollars. So it's in, that's why I've argued in, in Masters and Slaves of Money, it's an institution of slavery, right? It's not, it's not visceral chains and, and whips, but it's this invisible form. And because it's less or less visible, we'll say, it's much more scalable, right? You're able to rob a little bit from everyone all over the world all the time. It's kind of like that money office space you know, where they were trying to write this yeah, computer yeah, program yeah. that stole One a few of my favorite movies from, yeah. from every business. So that no one would really notice, but they would make a ton of money in the process. That's what central banking is. Yeah. And uh, to that point, uh, every tool and every invention that mankind has ever come up with uh, was invented in order for someone to save time. That's what tools yes. do. They save us time. They all have the same purpose. They say, uh, like a screwdriver saves time. An electrical screwdriver saves even more time. So the, the more we progress, the more time we save. And the more time there is for the centralized institution to steal. <laughs> so... Yeah. So uh, uh, that's why they've grown so humongous these days, because we're, we, we ought to work a lot less. Uh, if, if prices were fair and, and not artificially uh, uh, kept high all the time, as they are now, because prices are only high because money is the cheapest uh, thing to produce there is. And if money, uh, the, the the cheaper the money is to produce, the, the higher the prices of everything else. So like the only thing that is going down in prices is like hard drives and stuff, uh, about the only thing, because it, it's approaching zero marginal cost to produce them very fast. And, and, and this process, like even in the, uh, even in the handicapped free market that global free market that we have now we have a lot of progress and it's going really fast but we the people can can't ever access the abundance that is already there because because money is still the cheapest thing there is to produce 
Bitcoin, on the other hand, is like the most expensive thing to produce ever. And that, that's, that's what's so fascinating about it. It's like the complete antithesis of, uh, antithesis of, of, uh, of fiat money. And, and, and the, the price of Bitcoin going up as fast as it does and as spectacularly as it does at times is, is like, it's, it's a hint of, at how, uh, how robbed we've been over the years and how cheap everything really is. Because it's not only in computers and electronics that prices are going down, but in everything. Everything is getting very cheap to produce and very cheap to transport all, all over the globe. So, uh, yeah, it's the, the more you think about it, the, the more pissed off you get at, at how, how fooled you've been throughout <laughs> your life. Like, uh, I, I'm, I'm more pissed. excited to get about this one. Oh. And just to just to just to rest on this, uh, you know, make uh, one last point be, before we perhaps move on to to another subject. But what you were both saying there resonates even louder with what's been going on for this last year, because you were both saying, you know, human beings, we we need to trade. Uh, that is a human need. That is a, the the only way we're going to thrive, and that is the only way we're going to move forward in society. And the only way we can be able to support our families and make money and communicate with each other. And if we had this free market, then we would understand much uh, more clearly the the price of goods and services, and we could make better future economic decisions. Not this last year. We're not allowed to trade with each other. We're not even allowed to sit next to each other. We're not even allowed to go out and meet each other for a drink, have a coffee. We're not even allowed to shake hands. In Europe, we can't even fail our bees. We can't kiss each other when we meet each other. We can't even spend time with family. Like this, <laughs> to your point, Rob, this is how you control people. And it's shocking. Mm -hmm. It is, it's, it's, shocking how fast it all happened right i mean i know i know it's different everywhere but we were in uh, los angeles when all of this happened back in march 2020 and los angeles has been a pretty good place to live historically like it's pretty free and people are cool and relaxed and there's a lot of things to do and it's nice weather and all of that but just like in an instant it felt like it became the soviet state of california everything was closed parks were taped off Masks are heavily enforced, can't go in anywhere, just overnight, seemingly. Um, so it was very, very abrupt, even for someone who has been, you know, studying this phenomenon for you know, a long time. I've looked at this happen throughout history, but even to see it happen in real time to me was shocking. So I can't even imagine what it's like for someone just caught off guard completely. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like we talk about a lot of these concepts like free market and trade and economic growth and productivity. And maybe the abstraction is what causes people to not perceive its importance, perhaps. But I think to make it like so simple, it's just that we know. I think one thing we could say pretty confidently is everyone would like to be rich, given the choice between poverty and rich. I'm not gonna, maybe not everyone, but almost everyone would choose to be rich. All, all of the things being equal, right? The concept of being rich, the concept of wealth itself is only obtainable through trade. You cannot create it any other way. There's no other, in this entire universe, 
of human There is no other way to health other than trade. So it's like, what are we doing restricting trade? It's, it's so, we're just acting uh, barbarically in a way. You know, another thing I read in Human Action I thought was really interesting. When factories were first introduced as a concept, they were heavily resisted by workers who were being displaced, right? So say uh, an, a custom shoemaker was very heavily resistant to the shoe factory, right? It was gonna supplant him, take customers from him, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, and then the political class resisted it as well because it was this scary new machine. They didn't understand that it. it was, you know, mysterious uh, new way of, of making shoes. And it was only through the, the philosophy advanced by the laissez-faire, the free market economists that actually got, gave this thing its footing to eventually become dominant. Like we, we moved into the, the industrial age as a result of this. So it's like people have this natural uh, reticence to innovation and, and, and productivity enhancing things, which again, just lets you save more time, channel your energy more efficiently, whatever you want to call it. And it creates wealth in the long run. Like very simply, every, every step forward you can take on the spectrum of productivity or energy efficiency, the more rich the world becomes, the lower all the prices become. But people have this heavy resistance to innovation in the beginning. And so I think it's almost like that. It's like Bitcoin, that's how big of a deal it is. Like the factory emerged, GDP per capita throughout all of human history is basically flat. Then all of a sudden we get into the industrial age and it explodes. It goes like a thousand X in a couple of hundred years. Bitcoin's like that almost. It's like the innovation of the factory, right? By, by tearing down all these artificial frictions of free trade we have in the world, whether it's fiat currency or these overly complexified regulatory environments or these you know, excessively aggressive tax regimes, all these things that suck wealth off of uh, the free market economy, the, the trade, the source of all wealth, the more wealth we will create in aggregate. So that's what it feels like in a way. Like people, there's, this, there's this ideological resistance to Bitcoin by those that are more traditionally minded in the same way there was an ideological resistance to the factory, you know, 250, 300 years ago. So, yeah. yeah. I read somewhere that whenever there's a, a, a bridge building project, uh, uh, the, 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 the local population is almost always against the bridge mm -hmm. until it's built. And after it's built, they're all for it, yeah. uh, which says a lot about the, the human psyche. And uh, you can see that in, in a lot of things. Um, so yeah, uh, totally on point. Uh, the more we can like, uh, network, the more valuable everything becomes, right? Whether it's a bridge yeah. or, or internet or whatever it may be. What, one term that gets thrown around here a lot is the wealth gap. And that it's always advertised as a problem, the gap between low and high income, no matter how high the, low in, the, the lower incomes are. It's never an absolute term. We compare each other in relative terms instead of absolutes, which is what you should do. Like, do I have more money than, than, than the previous generation? Do I have a better life than, than, my, than the previous generation did in my family? That's what you should look at. Because what someone else earns or how much someone else has is really, it, 
it has no relevance to how much you have. Uh, like the the only two things that can ever flatten the curves again and, and get uh, uh, wealth gaps to decrease are, are natural disasters and war. Uh, when when there's a war and when there's a natural disaster like communism, the 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 um, <laughs> the wealth gaps are, are decrease. So that's the the only way you can achieve equality is by by taking away. You can never do it by by sure. enhancing the the lower classes. And, and but but socialism is advertised as a way of doing this, and it simply doesn't work. Uh, read Human Action. Both me and Rob are rereading it at the time, and uh, it's the best book ever written for explaining why it can never work, uh, yeah. why you can never. Well, it's funny how socialism does work, actually. It does bring total equality in the house. Everyone's equally living in poverty, basically, at the end of socialism. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in that sense, it works. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, as well, like, uh, when people think of, of the wealth gap, they it, even that's become... Uh, a narrative and i remember sending a tweet out with a uh with a picture of um they were just stock pictures pulled from the internet of a family say they were you know maybe, maybe they were uh, living in uh, bangladesh for example and um uh yeah so you need a bathroom break rob so sh should we hit pause for for, for two minutes okay sure. 30 seconds okay cool <laughs> Meanwhile, whilst he's gone, Knut is going to play for us his latest song, Fuck You Money. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll play that. I already played that on another part. I'm not doing that again right now. <laughs> you, you played that on... Um, Toxic Happy Hour. Uh, Red Toxic Happy Hour. That's yeah. right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I couldn't remember uh, it. I do... <laughs> I, I was watching that, and yeah, a little. Uh, I don't know whether it's stage fright or nerves or the uh, the, uh, the the toxic chat. So, something something threw you off there. No one was throwing glass bottles, which was nice. No, I just didn't remember the song. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I it took me like five minutes to write that thing, and and uh, I played it once, and I never played it since. So that's why I didn't remember it. <laughs> You you weren't kidding, Rob. That was quick. Uh, a little time preference. Yeah, that, that has something to do something to do with the latest supplement, I'm sure. <laughs> was it blue? Uh, it's a personal question. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Before the show, we were, we were talking about uh, Rob's habit of uh, of chewing Viagra and how that uh, turned his tongue blue. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, hard money, hard well, money. <laughs> I uh, actually called. Uh, I'm doing this health program right now. I gave me. Okay, come on then. Called. We needed to lighten this up, so that this is good. Methylene blue. What are you doing, Rob? Methylene what, what blue. Methylene blue, and it's a non-caffeine energy supplement but it makes your mouth right. mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, holy yeah, shit i guess it and for it, what reason it, like you you're lacking a bit I, I of energy guess, is that is that what's going on no no no. i'm just doing this whole 
detox cleanse program and he just recommended it's, this instead of caffeine so it stores energy in the tongue that's what it does ah <laughs> so perfect for a podcast um but uh, the point yeah, i was trying to make about the wealth gap thing i think people are um kind of uh, i know i'd like to get your your thoughts on this but i posted a picture let's say basic family living in um kind of a like a shantytown conditions um bangladesh let's pull a country out of our uh, out of our asses and um you know I, I said this picture on the this this family in the picture on the left own everything you see in the picture and have the equivalent 150 dollars in savings the company on the right the white picket fence the six bedroom house the two cars the two dogs the 2.4 kids the private education they own negative $320,000 and have the equivalent of $1,000 in savings. Who is the richest person in this scenario? And how are we thinking about that? Uh, I actually have a, a real life story analogy to this, which is when I, uh, during my sailing years, we visited uh, Belize in uh, uh, uh just south of Me mexico and uh, uh we went to a little village there a maya village with the maya people uh, uh and the first time we went there they didn't even have electricity in the village they had like two car batteries with a generator running and like the next time a, a couple of years later we went back and uh, uh i stayed with the uh, like the the chief of the tribe uh, and his family twice uh, so I sort of got to know the kids, uh, uh, a really magic thing in the middle of the jungle, like uh, eating soup out of a, a bowl and some tortillas uh, over an open fire and stuff. And like when the sun went down, everyone uh, went to bed and when it went up, uh, everyone woke up and that, that was it. Like no alarm bells, no nothing. Very, a very quiet life in the jungle. And um, when I came back, uh, uh, there was a small solar panel connected to a pole outside the house and two cables from that to a car battery hooked up to a CD player. And one of the kids, a 10-year-old, uh, uh, he, uh, he played a strange CD with Bob Marley songs uh, with sound effects in between the songs and in the songs like machine gun fire and helicopters and stuff, so just sound effects on top of the songs. And I wonder what, what, what kind of strange CD is this? Uh, where did you get that? And he said, uh, uh, well, it's uh, th so uh, I have, <laughs> since I'm speaking of CDs, this is quite a while back, maybe like 15 years back. So, so he said, no, it's not a proper CD. I, I made it with virtual DJ on my cousin's laptop. <laughs> so the 10 year old had made the CD with the, uh, with the sound effects on it. And they didn't even have electricity in the village. And my first thought was like, I, I'm with, I'm with like 40 spoiled kids from Sweden there, trying to. They're 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 uh, like, as tourists wanting to watch the nature people and how they live and uh, how how primitive they are and everything. And I'm seeing this 10 year old, more technically advanced than most of the uh, of the students in this class I'm with. And I'm thinking these people are on the on the same market in the future because the world will be more fr frictionless. So they'll have to compete with this little kid that like built this from a, <laughs> he, not only did he make the CD himself on his cousin's laptop, he, <laughs> he connected it to a car battery 
and made that work somehow. And then the car battery to a solar panel, uh, like charging the battery. So, so uh, uh, via a generator or something. I don't, I don't really remember the setup. But the thing is, uh, we're all living on the same planet. And uh, when the internet came along, we're, we're all playing the same game. And we're all in the same, we're all competing on the same grounds. We just need the same rules everywhere uh, in order to make to make it a, 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 a fair game. So that's that's the little story there. Robert. What was the question again? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's always the thing with me and Daniel. I always have to ask what the question was because I never never remember. Um, I, I was just talking about this uh, this perceived wealth gap that we have, and and how we, you know, do, do we view it um, locally or do we view it globally? Uh, and I think we we're stuck in this local mindset. And do I have more than my neighbor? I think um, I love Jordan Peterson's thinking on this, where he actually points towards people that are demonizing the hierarchy, whether this is a status hierarchy, a wealth hierarchy, a corporate hierarchy, whatever it is, there's a, there's a <clears throat> body of thought out there that the hierarchy itself is an evil. But, or, or, or I think he, he says, they make the point that it's uh, the product of capitalism, for instance. They try to demonize capitalism saying, hey, look, it creates these wealth distribution hierarchies that are unfair. And then he, <clears throat> takes a look at us biologically and compares us to some ancestral species like uh, the infamous lobster that he refers to. And it turns out most organisms organize themselves into hierarchies. Um, <clears throat> you could actually think of this as the hierarchy itself as a tool, right? We talked about tools being an instrument that save us time or that increase uh, the efficiency of our energy utilization. The hierarchy is, in a natural sense, is uh, a tool for promoting the most competent, right? So if you're a lobster and the natural environment needs a big, strong lobster, right? Needs big, strong lobster genes to deal with the ocean, uh, the predators and threats that you encounter in the ocean, that having a lobster dominance hierarchy, right? Where the bigger lobster out wrestles the smaller lobster and then he gets to reproduce more. That's actually increasing fitness for the species of lobster as a whole. Um, now that's a, a much less sophisticated version. Clearly in human hierarchies, uh, it's, it's much more sophisticated. And <clears throat> we need the free market itself. We could think of as kind of a wealth hierarchy where we're promoting those entrepreneurs that go in to the unknown, they're, they're experimenting with their own capital, their own reputation, uh, using their own faculties to try and resolve things that people want, to solve problems people want solved. And those that are successful are rewarded with wealth, right? They, they win money, capital, reputation, influence. And those that bet poorly or those that don't anticipate future conditions properly uh, actually fail, right? So there's this constant cycle of promoting the most competent among us and dispromoting those that are, that are ineffective at their their chosen field or, or craft. And in so that is a natural 
This is a natural organizing principle of life. And in the sphere of human action, um, it is one that, that naturally creates a wealth disparity. There's always going to be a disparity of wealth between the rich and the poor. That is, it's an ineradicable part of, of nature and life. But what we can do, so we can't complain about the hierarchy or say, oh, there's, we need to close this gap between rich and poor, steal from the rich, give to the poor. Like, none of that makes sense. You can never, you can never morally justify compulsion or theft, right, to try and, try and remedy this, this disparity. But what you can do is optimize for the free market principles themselves, right? Mitigate all impediments to free trade, and that increases aggregate wealth. So that this hierarchy is actually, you know, all ships rise with the tide kind of thing. We're rising the tide of total wealth, such that living in poverty today, and this is true even today, living in poverty today is orders of magnitude better than it was living in poverty a thousand years ago, right? It's much easier to get yeah. food, fresh water, shelter. If you're in poverty a thousand years ago, you're just, you're done. You're toast. Yeah, it's, you're, it's, it's better than being a king a thousand years ago, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah, even... Uh, yeah, to the point that there's this story about, I think it's John D. Rockefeller, who was, I think he's the richest man in history, maybe per capita at the time. Maybe him and Jeff Bezos, or, or I guess Elon yeah, now are, are close. Do you really son, like that? Yeah. Well, the, the story there is his son passed away because he didn't have antibiotics or something very basic, right? That even yeah. the most, even a, a poor person in to, by today's standards has access to. Yeah, you talk so with it just the, how much the free market advances our wealth over time. You talked about this with Sailor, I believe. Uh, I believe they didn't have a fridge or something like that. Yeah, they didn't have the refrigerator, <laughs> uh, which is an uh, absolute miracle of markets, by the way. Yeah, you yeah. go and bow down to your refrigerator every day. The fact that we can keep food and drinks cold and convenient for weeks and months on end, that's incredible. No one had that for the first 4,800 years uh, of human history. But it might be a problem on Hawaii, Rob, but it's definitely not a problem here right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, living there would be a problem without market, yeah. though. Rob, the yeah, Swedes yeah, yeah, exactly. the, the Swedes yeah. leave their fish out in the open on purpose. They they want it to yeah. go rancid and disgusting, and you know that that's they're, they're, they're oh, that, crazy fuckers. You know, I don't know. What's you're up thinking with of Norwegians. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you you, yeah, yeah. you guys are far more advanced. And cultured. <laughs> yeah, we have uh, meat meatballs. <laughs> That's our natural dish. Like we're much more advanced. Uh, well, Rob, you touched <laughs> on something there, which is which is interesting, and probably all three of us uh, are in this boat. Uh, and you said staking your reputation on something. How do you how do you feel about that? Because you know, Bitcoin is anti-narrative. Every every narrative that's going right now, Bitcoin is anti that narrative. Um, but yet here we are, we find ourselves on on these podcasts or writing books, the pair of you, or writing articles, the pair of you, or singing songs, Knut, uh, about something that is, when you can remember the words, uh, about something that we are staking a lot on. You know, we're staking, first of all, our monetary energy on it. We, we've lost it all in boating accidents since, but, you know, we, we did that. We're staking our reputation on it, and we're staking our future generation. Stakes. Yeah, we're staking our stakes on it, and we're, we're staking our uh, our future, our families' 
and uh, generations that can, you know, our kids, you've met my kids. This is, this is a big stake, right? And how crazy are we for doing that? How do you guys feel about that? And, and kind of um, when, you, when you face these, these criticisms from, from other people? I would say that I think this is an Orwell quote as well that comes to mind is when society drifts <clears throat> too far from truth, it, it grows to despise those who speak it. Yeah, something like something that. like this. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. That's why Bitcoin, the, the more uh, the more societies. Uh, that's why Bitcoin is anti-narrative, basically. Yeah. It's because Bitcoin. Yeah. It's the most honest money that's ever existed. It's the this only like it's the only beacon of truth, frankly, in this world that's just drowning in deception. And uh, yeah. that's why I think people first of all, struggle to comprehend it at all because it's so fundamentally shattering to their worldview um, where, you know, you are a nationality, your, your nation has a currency, like you're identified with the dollar, you go to university, you climb this corporate ladder, there's, like, there's this whole maze put in front of us that we're conditioned to uh, appreciate or, or, or pursue. And Bitcoin just sort of breaks all of that. And... Um, I feel great about staking my reputation on this because it, it, it is aligned everything within me actually. It's like my mind and my heart and my, my gut instinct about it are all aligned. And I think we're just Bitcoiners, I would say, first of all, let me just about Bitcoiners. Nothing makes me more bullish on Bitcoin than Bitcoiners. Like I've done all this work myself. I can trust my own faculties and think I've got things figured out, but I'm just one person, one perspective in the whole market of perspectives. But when I meet and interact with Bitcoiners who are very intelligent, disagreeable, like adversarial thinkers, successful entrepreneurs, and they all sort of in, have interpreted this through their own lens and arrived at the same conclusion. Like what else, yeah. what could be more vindicating to your investment thesis on Bitcoin besides that? Uh, as I see it, it's like all the smartest people in the world converging on this shelling point that is Bitcoin. And for me, that just reinforces my confidence uh, to a very high degree. But the, the the digging that I've done and what I've what I've landed on is that what we're seeing with Bitcoin is really the the reemergence of the the libertarian free market laissez-faire natural law principles on which something like America was founded. Now, I'm not arguing in a nationalistic sense. I've, I've tweeted this before. I so said like Bitcoin is American. And people are like, oh no, it's for the world. It's, I'm like, I'm not talking about Bitcoin, the nation state at all. I'm just talking about the ideas upon which it was founded, which was a small centralized government, uh, you know, decentralized governance model, essentially that they were able to print and issue their own currency Freedom of speech is the First Amendment. Um, all of these governance mechanisms that essentially were intended to optimize for individual sovereignty, to hold the sovereignty of the, the individual higher than the state, which was a distinct breakage um, from England, right? Which, which had pretty much imperialized the world. Now the nation America today pretty much went the way of England, right? It's become the new neo-imperialist of the world today. But the ideas that these you know, that the founding fathers had when they created our country, the principles on which they were based, 
Bitcoin is that, like it positively embodies all of those principles in a way that no other tool does. So, you know, I joked with, with Ross Stevens when uh, we were talking a few weeks ago and I was like, I have to use this esoteric term now to describe my value system. I, I call myself a freedom maximalist. And uh, because there's no other term available, you can't say libertarian, you can't say, you know, yep. liberal, like it just, it, they, all these terms have been bastardized again, like we talked about earlier with the language. And he made the point, he was like, isn't it rad though, that a couple of hundred years ago, all you would have had to say is that you're American, right? It was understood what you, what you stood for. Uh, you know, when I, when the country of America was more closely aligned with its ideological principles. So you know, free markets, they are the source of all the wealth in the world. They, it is the best organizational model for clearing errors and, and really bolstering morality even, right? Once we substitute the division of labor um, for, for war, basically, we all become interdependent and the, the incentives become aligned towards peaceful cooperation versus violence and coercion. And that's what Bitcoin is, right? It's this, how do you say it? It's almost like this permanent uh, casting of natural law in the in digital encryption or cryptography that's just forcing itself on the world. And um, so, yeah, I feel really good about attaching my reputation, capital, and energy to that. Yeah. For me, uh, back to Taleb, uh, skin in the, his book Skin in the Game had a huge impact on me on why I, why I chose to go like public with my opinions on this and why, why I chose to, chose to like reveal my, my libertarian soul or whatever you may call it, because uh, that book made, made a lot of sense. Like if you don't have skin in the game, you will never, you will never do your best or give it, give it, give it your best, uh, you have to have your reputation. You have to have something at stake, uh, uh, in, or, in order to in order to maximize your like your your own efforts or like how how good you can get. If you want to see how 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 well you can perform something, you have to have some skin in the game. That's that's like rule number one. And to, to the uh, to the America point there, like you could call Bitcoin America 2.0, and you could call it Gold 2.0, but while there are they're they're quite good analogies, but but that's it's also Bitcoin is so much better. Like America was founded on on the like the best principles that a, a country has ever been founded on, arguably, but but Bitcoin is still it like takes away the need for a government. Uh, completely and and like it's 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 so much more beautiful than uh and it has the potential to make america just a blip in history like a 400 year blip that the people will forget about while bitcoin can last for eons <laughs> i mm. mean it it has a uh, so so uh so i believe that this is uh this uh, and uh, and this is like the only way to think about it, like really, really long term. Because if if it doesn't work really, really long term, then it doesn't work at all. Uh, then then there's no point. 
if this isn't if we don't have the forever mindset uh, going into this then then there's no point to the invention and yeah. and that makes it a, a totally different piece than a nation state and uh, it's absolute scarcity and and difficulty adjustment algorithm makes it a totally different piece than gold so so none of the none of the uh, like metaphors or analogies are are really really do bitcoin justice they're all like underestimating it in in my opinion yeah i agree with that and we talked about this the other day in a different chat uh the concept of consilience where if you're unable to say objectively verify something at one level of analysis but you can get kind of an idea like a sense of what direction something is but then you can also analyze it at other layers and if multiple, the more layers are pointing towards the same outcome, the more likely it is that it's true, right? The more robust the thesis is. Yeah. And that's what we were saying here, right? Like it's not quite gold, it's not quite America, it's not quite libertarianism, but it's sort of all these things rolled into one and a whole new thing. It's There's a consilience to the Bitcoin thesis that I think makes it just very, uh, very, um, very robust, we'll say, but possibly even anti-fragile. And to your point about the skin in the game thing, it's like Bitcoin is reintroducing skin in the game into human organization, right? There, it, you, are, you have to be hyper responsible for your ownership of this asset. Um, even one slip of any kind in your OPSEC or, or transaction modeling or custody and your toast, right? It's the ultimate skin in the game. And it, yeah. and, Taleb's other point in that book is that systems that lack skin in the game, that's what creates rot. That's what creates corruption. It's so all of a sudden when people are making decisions and they're detached from the consequences of those decisions, the system rots from the inside. It becomes corrupt and it fails. And that's what the nation state is, right? We have central bankers printing money that have no, they have zero exposure to their own decision, the consequences of their decisions. And of course that, that corrupts and, and breaks down the system over time. And uh, so we could say that a system, if pain is information, right? Pain is the information by which a system is adapting itself. A system lacking skin in the game, it's not getting these pain signals to adapt itself. So a, a system lacking skin in the game is by definition misinformed, right? So it's, it's gradually becoming more and more misfit to reality over time. And I think that's where we are with the nation state today is that it's just a, a model that has been rendered irrelevant in the digital age. And we're going to see it collapse uh, in the wake of Bitcoin. And the last thing about that is clearly Bitcoiners have a lot of skin in the game, right? Those of us that have attached ourselves to this asset in the way we have. But I would argue too that the earliest among us have soul in the game as well, which is skin in the game is taking downside risk on behalf of your own decisions. But soul in the game is taking it a step further and you're actually taking downside risk on behalf of others, right? Bitcoiners are blazing the trail into this new world. And, um, you know, there's risk associated with that. So I, I don't know, I feel, I feel uh, energized by this entire movement. And I feel like this is, it just feels like uh, like my purpose in life in many ways. So very happy to, to be a part of this. 
Yeah, same here. And to your to your point about uh, like the pain mechanism, uh, that that's what's so bad about bailouts, uh, bank bailouts, and and it's also what's so bad about universal basic income, which is another mm -hmm. favorite subject of mine, uh, because it takes away the the pain that is necessary for people to learn and to evolve and to like. Uh, if you take away that, you 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 make them. You you take away their their ability to 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 improve and get better. You need a bit of pain in order to to like like uh, oh this didn't work out. I'll I'll better try something else. That that's the mechanism that ought to be there. That's how that's how it worked for thousands of thousands of uh, or like millions of years. And we're that's why we're here. That's why we're humans and not rats or rodents or where mm. or chimpanzees or something. Along the evolutionary tree, uh, we all had to we all had to adapt or die. And uh, maybe that sounds harsh, uh, but I believe the uh, the alternative is even worse. Like living a point. Imagine being under a in a uh, authoritarian state uh, and living on on life on government life support and not having the ability to do anything with your life and wasting 50 years uh, slowly dying uh, working 10 hours a day for nothing doing some bullshit somewhere uh, i mean that's that's also harsh in my opinion it's it's worse um, yeah all right guys i got a few things to say here and uh, a few different place, different ways we can go. Um, first of all, I'm, I, I can't resist the, the temptation to, to slap Taleb again uh, because he has no more skin left in the game and it turns out his, his hands are very fragile. So, but I'll just draw a line under that. <laughs> um, Bitcoin shines a light, I think is uh, what you were saying, Rob, you know, not only do we have reputation in the game, but we have soul in the game. And I, I, we, we've heard this saying before, like, you know, Bitcoin holds a mirror up to you and shows you who you are. And it sounds very, very cosmic and pretty cheesy for those people that are probably listening to this for the first time or new to the space. But how do you guys feel about that? Like, you know, you, I, I, I see it as Bitcoin shines a light on someone and it elevates the, the, the morally sound and shakes out the, the charlatans and, and the fraudsters, which we've seen some come and go very, very quickly. I'd just like to, to get your thoughts on that. Canute, I, I, I see you looking up and to the left, so that, that usually gives me the, uh, the signal yeah. that you're, you're thinking deeply <laughs> about something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah uh, like putting my soul into the game in, in bitcoin uh is uh, ha has been so much more rewarding than just playing the regular charade in 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 normie life uh, th this like the progress of this thing not only in in, in the price of the the asset itself but but in my my personal journey, uh, Bitcoin journey, has been so rewarding, and so uh, like I've regained self-confidence on uh, or gained new self-confidence uh, 
of a level that I've never experienced before because I, uh, usually, I, I used to only have my, my brothers to talk about these things with and my, my, my deeper ideas and uh, like my more ph philosophical thoughts. They, they were the only ones that really listened. But now if I have an audience and it, <laughs> it, it's just been great of course and uh we'll see where it leads I'll, i'm just happy to to let this adventure take me wherever wherever it takes me it's all worth it yeah i was um talking a bit about this the other day but i just feel like uh similar to what what newt's saying that Bitcoin community has given me this place where I can just be my complete uninhibited self. Whereas with others, um, you know, I, I guess I've always been philosophically minded, you might say. So there's not a lot of people that are willing to engage in that, that depth of conversation frequently. And that, that seems to be kind of like one of the only speeds I have. It's like, I don't have a lot of patience for small talk. I want to talk about, you know, big ideas and serious things. And, um, you know, the Bitcoin community is just amazing. They just not only have given me this, this outlet for that, um, that I guess natural impulse that I have, but also so much feedback and so much learning, seeing the world through other people's eyes that are, you know, similar, similarly unique in their own way um so i'm just i'm just really grateful grateful for that yeah <laughs> just this these last two conversations rob it's 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 amazing we can we can just we don't even have a subject and we just start like with other bitcoiners especially especially the ones that are philosophically minded you're you know that they're above a, a couple of thresholds so you don't have to you it's it's almost as you don't even have to uh, like <laughs> how 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 to, how to put this no you don't have to hold back and you don't have to like scan the environment uh, or like scan like analyze the conversation you can just you can just start at your best and and keep building uh, and, and it's mm -hmm. so refreshing because you, all the all the bullshit uh, going on in a workplace or or whatever at my at my kids school or wherever i am like oh the weather's nice today and blah 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 it's all gone here mm -hmm. it's it's hardcore philosophical like multi-generational stuff instantly i love it it's Cheers. It's, yeah. it's crazy <laughs> i i call those conversations canute uh, non-versations and that is generally what our days are made up of, right? Where, when you're, and I don't want to, I don't want to say this in a belittling way, but you know, we call about, we talk about it as normie land. When you're in normie land, um, you have non-versations and it's the weather and you, you know, it's just BSing about uh, the kids or, or whatever. It, it, you just wear that mask. And yeah. I wore a mask for 18 years in my career. You turn up and you've got to be the as alpha male as you possibly can on a foreign exchange, foreign exchange brokerage floor. And then like you fall down this Bitcoin rabbit hole and it just like, it, it pulls you out of you. It, it, like who'd have thought 
a year ago, I would be putting conversations like this, my deepest thoughts and feelings and having the, with two guys I've never met in real life before. Like, you know, this just, it, it's, it's mind blowing. And it, it does elevate the, the, the morally sound and will, will shake out those that are just here pretending and come for, for the wrong reasons. Um, most people even come for the wrong reasons, come for number go up and greed and whatever else, get turned around, but some don't. They get shaken out and we've seen it happen. And it's a really interesting, and it's going to keep happening. And it's- Yeah, um, who's, who's next on the list? Who's the next hero to slay? <laughs> I don't have any heroes, Canute, other than you two guys. <laughs> yeah, you do. I'm your hero. <laughs> yeah. Rob's your hero. Yeah. But I, here, here's one. I want to take Rob. I want to take Rob even deeper because I can hear uh, I can oh, hear a cockerel in the background, and uh, it, it's it's strange that here we are. You know, there's there's too much human hating going on in the world. Again, another narrative, right? Uh, far too many humans in the world. We're killing the planet. Um, you know, we're killing the animals. We're chopping down the rainforest. We're boiling the oceans and blah, blah, blah. Right. Here we are, three guys, three corners of the world, talking about big ideas. Like we're, we're talking about history. We're talking about the future. And in the background, there's a chicken crowing away. It doesn't know what day of the week it is. Doesn't know what time. Well, no, it does know what time of day it is because it's like, uh, that's why it's crowing and cockerling. I don't know. It does it all day, so maybe not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, the, it's not, uh, Daniel. It's not a chicken here. Over here, we call them knockerels. Knockerels. Knockerel. Uh, uh, <laughs> Why not a cockerel? <laughs> yeah, you said no vid. You said no vid and no verset non versation. <laughs> that must be a knockerel. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> it's a bit far fetched. Okay then. <laughs> yeah, you, you've taken it to the uh, to the nth degree, but I like it. That's what Bitcoiners do. But but Rob, my 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 uh, my point here is, you know, um, consciousness and uh, and having these discussions and what's this human hating all about? Like seriously, uh, it, what are your thoughts? What's the what thing? I'm sorry, I didn't hear. The the human hating, like this narrative, like uh, you oh, know, the human hating. Gosh. Um, you know, there's, it's, it seems to be rooted in, you know, nihilism and for whatever reason, that seems to be very closely connected. How do we say this? So I think it was Solzhenitsyn said that the line between good and evil runs down the heart of every man. So there's, there. And this is where Knut and I may may diverge, but I actually think that there is a moral dimension to reality or to being. And I don't I don't know I can't differentiate whether this is something that's predates human beings, right? If it actually is something deeply connected to the cosmos, or if it's just something you know more like praxeological, you could say, which is just a product of human action. But it does seem to me that good moral decisions are what create a good world and we you can't just like teach a morality and hope that people adopt it it's emergent and it's emergent of the incentives uh 
imprinted on these systems we're operating within. And that's one of the reasons hard money is so important, right? We're incentivized to cooperate, to be peaceful, to lower our time preference. Uh, we're disincentivized from violence, all of these things. So it, from that emerges a higher morality. And um, yeah, I think the, 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 need, the, the human hating view, it seems to be, to be connected to the incentives incorporated into the nation state model where it is actually dehumanizing. Um, they're trying to, it, it treats people as resources, right? If you go to the, if you're in this mindset of someone at the World Economic Forum, they think they can like pull this legislative lever here and apply this tax and draw this line and deploy this foreign aid and re reduce this debt and trigger this bell out and they can get people, they can corral people in a mode and way that's most intelligent and advantageous for, for everyone is what they think or believe, but it's just not the case, right? It's we're like everything else in the universe, we are complex adaptive systems. The, the most uh, advantageous mode of organization will be determined, is determined from the bottom up, right? It's emergent. It's not something that's top down command and control. So I think it's rooted in, you know, the, the what some consider to be a trope fix the money, fix the world. I think there's a lot more truth to that than maybe even us Bitcoiners realize that we have corrupted this primary instrument of human cooperation, right? Again, akin to something like language. When you corrupt the language in a society, it slides towards totalitarianism. I think when you corrupt the money, you get a similar consequence. Um, and the, the morality of a totalitarian regime versus the morality of a free market are totally opposite, right? It's it, you, you're completely discounting the sovereignty of the individual and totalitarianism. There's one guy that tells you what you do, what you think, where you'll be, et cetera, et cetera. One plan, one, one mode of action. Whereas in the free market, you've maximized the sovereignty of individual choice. You let people self-organize in a way that satisfies the most wants for the collective. Um, so I think it's, they're just very closely related, you know, the, our, our socioeconomic systems of organization and our, our emergent morality. I totally agree, Rob. I don't disagree at all. Uh, I think this, like, if this is the point where we enter the religion debate after two pods and, and one, uh, one and a half hour of conversation, I'd, I'd like to officially postpone it to another time. I'd like to have that conversation one day, one day though. But, uh, but maybe focus on that. I, I do believe that m morality is not, it's, it's not just in humans. Uh, you can see it in the animal kingdom as well. And uh, I believe it's, uh, it, it got into our brains because it was evolutionary advantageous uh, at stages uh, in our evolution. And uh, it's, it's, I don't believe it to be a great cosmological force or anything. I think it's just... Im emergent like people have a hard time wrapping their heads around that that a consciousness could be emergent for instance or like uh the 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 analogy i use in one of the books is the uh, a thermite and the thermite colonies uh they're very advanced but no single th thermite knows how they work they even have like cooling what do you call them uh like a mechanism for cooling the their cities below in, in the root system and uh, like uh, so um, 
we on the other hand have a conscience to to uh, to observe all the all the progress we make but i i think it's all within within the uh, the natural world and within uh, the the laws of evolution that we we got here and uh, of course if we can if we can figure out a socio-economic system that that uh, makes violence less effective uh, then we will naturally behave more morally and I, I think that's one of the biggest perks of bitcoin it's like uh, yeah, there's there's no other like providing something of value for your fellow man will be much more profitable than than being violent and that, that that's one of the big per moral perks of it uh, that's how I view it uh, like uh, so yeah, I agree with moral morals as an emergent system. And here we are providing value, I hope, to those people that are listening, right? Yeah, <laughs> you're both laughing. Um, <laughs> but the feedback I get from these podcasts is incredible. And why are we doing this? You know, this, this is a, a huge time commitment. We're not getting paid to do this. Now, this is the difference when, when you see like detractors uh, argue against Bitcoin, they think we're all just here pumping our bags. Like, no, we, we are here trying to help and educate other people and share our experience. And um, like, this is what we've discovered. And I've said before on other pods, like, you know, the shit coins and altcoins need influencers. Whereas Bitcoin has educators and the biggest mistake, the biggest thing people are missing in my mind is that, that they don't understand we've done the research. They don't understand. We, should, we should be honest about that. We are pumping our bags by doing this. That, that, that's one aspect of it. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. Like if we're honest about it, I, I mean, it's not the main reason that I, I do these pods because I enjoy doing them. That, that's basically it. That's my main motivator for it. But, but just denying that there's an aspect of, uh, of pump, the pumping our bags thing. In, it, it's, it's of, of course, we'd like the price of Bitcoin to go up. And of course, we'd like Bitcoin to succeed, which oh, both those are connected, right? So, <laughs> and, and because of us being bitcoiners that's that's the skin in the game aspect and there's nothing to be ashamed of that's that's like to me that's like fiat thinking thinking that we should somehow be like oh ashamed of pumping our bags yes i am pumping my bags so what fuck you i'm pumping my bags <laughs> like, but, but you're doing it in a good way yeah. right you know like like not the way that they yeah. like the detractors tell us that we're doing it like, uh, we, you know, to them, we're all just idiots. We're just trying to pump Bitcoin price and then we're going to dump it out. They, they don't understand truly why we're here. That's the difference is that the promoters of alternative crypto assets are trying to perform a pump and dump, right? They're trying to get mm -hmm. a perceptual bubble into the asset price and then they want to sell it all for dollars or Bitcoin. Um, whereas, yeah, I, I guess you could look at it that Many Bitcoiners that I speak with had these libertarian principles before Bitcoin, right? This, this libertarian philosophy or mindset. But Bitcoin, in a way, has given us an instrument that actually energizes um, our, our worldview so that we now I can come on here. I've, I've 
developed the freedom through studying Bitcoin and acquiring Bitcoin to come on the show and speak with you about what I have learned. I am here to contribute to the awareness and adoption of Bitcoin long term, but the difference between a Bitcoiner and every other shitcoin promoter is true Bitcoiners have no intent on selling them for dollars, right? It's actually the opposite. It's acquire as much Bitcoin as you can and hold it forever. Um, I think that's the, the, the line that, that distinguishes us. So we're doing ourselves a disservice because if we didn't have these conversations, I, I fewer people would know about it and we could stack some more sats. <laughs> uh, I, I did a, a tweet uh, along those lines the other day. Like you can change your life by spending your Bitcoin, but you change the world by not spending them. That's, that's right. That's mm -hmm. the difference between a hodler and a, and a spender. Like we're, we're in this to change the world. Uh, like and changing the world has to start from a personal level you change your own world first before you, before you can have an impact on anyone else's life yeah. and so it's it's bootstrapping this elevation in morality as well right along with bootstrapping its network value and security because yeah. that's what i think it was the ferdinand lips guy who said the, the monetary standard and the moral standard are inexorably linked so yeah. we're pouring mm -hmm. ourselves into mm -hmm. a system incentivizes us to have better behavior and we're recruiting other hearts and minds saying hey this is a better game come play this game here are the rules they can't be changed they're fair for all to see you're being victimized in the fiat currency complex that you've been conditioned into um feels like a noble mission to me 100 percent. yeah uh one thing yeah what else would we be doing <laughs> oh Watching what? Promoting watching, some other shit. Watching mindless TV. I don't know what. What? Yeah, what, what? The, the the thing with the thing with pumping your bags is that everyone has something to sell. Mm -hmm. You can't really like t-shirts apparently and have a conversation without. Yeah, t-shirts for one. Uh, <laughs> well, and caps. One thing, I mean, but, let, but, let, let's get the cap. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the cap. Uh, the. <laughs> The market cap. Uh, market cap. <laughs> the yeah. thing, uh, is it a hard cap? Thing, Tell the, me that's a hard cap. It's got to be. Yeah, right? it's, <laughs> of course, it's a hard cap. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, everyone is selling something, either an idea mm -hmm. or themselves, or like they're they're doing stuff. Like it's in human action. You 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 mm -hmm. use means to acquire ends. You certain means to acquire certain ends, and those are different for everyone. But but there's no escaping them. Everyone has a motive. Everyone has a, a goal. With the, like we wouldn't talk or even breathe if we didn't have a a a, 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 a like a specific goal with doing what we're doing. So so if you want to call that pumping bags. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, the gist of it is we're pump, all pump on. biologically operating in our own self-interest, right? That's that's yeah necessary yep. for survival. But that's what the free market is, is that it, it it's a system that eliminates individual error and bias and agenda and promotes uh, the collective interest through that pursuit. So, so anyone that, out there that thinks any, we're just in Bitcoin to get the price as high as possible so we can sell out for more fiat. You've missed the story completely. And there are so many people that have um, missed the story. 
There's a saying uh, that, to those people. <laughs> yeah, go on. Does it begin with F? Staying poor. <laughs> oh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> begins with H, of course. Have That's fun staying poor. Tell me, uh, right? In the Matrix, where it's like, you're telling me that if my Bitcoin goes to a million dollars, that I could, that I can still sell it? And it's like, no, Neo, I'm telling you that when it gets there, you won't have to. It's so meta because people think in dollars, but we're mm -hmm. moving into a world where people no longer think in dollars. That's what Bitcoin is. It's a software update to the hive yeah. mind of humanity. Oh, yeah. Incredible. My personal goal is to be uh, so, as sovereign as possible so that I don't have to do anything but what what I want to do for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And those are the expensive things. I like good food. I like a, a drink every now and then. And I like to write stuff and play computer games occasionally and watch a movie and read a book. It doesn't have to be complicated. I mean, but uh, yeah, whatever. Travel. Yeah. yeah, I like that a lot. Playing yeah. music, playing games, playing chess. So there's one thing I, I, I want to touch on as well. Just to contrast this with the the fiat world right now, and it is something that's been bugging me a little bit. Um, I don't know why it, it just circled back around to my my thinking. But a handful of years ago, there was a big meme, especially in the UK. It might have been global. I don't know. Um, and it, it, the meme was ski, and it was aimed at boomers, the boomer generation, the at the time, the, the biggest generation and uh, the, the most wealthy generation ever known. And the ski stood for spend kids inheritance. And that was the meme that was being pushed by the mainstream narrative and the financial advisors. Uh, and you would see articles in newspapers along the lines of, uh, oh, um, you know, Doreen and Dave, they spent, you know, 50 years working and now they've decided that instead of just scrimping away, they're going to spend their kids' inheritance and they're going to go on, uh, you know, fancy holidays and they're going to eat what they want and they're going to, he's going to finally buy the, uh, the the car he always wanted and they're going to, you know, upgrade to a house, even though there's the two of them. And it was a real hard push. And for any of the Britcoiners that are listening to this, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It was a huge meme. And it's so sickening. And that is just precisely what the fiat world is. The, you know, fiat is sick and people bought into it so quickly. You know, Gen X's parents were saying, oh yeah, we're skiers, we're following this. You know, it's like, you know, it's like you said tongue in cheek, but you know, like, well, that ain't cool guys. <laughs> but now like every Bitcoiner I talk to is thinking three, four, five, six, seven generations down the line because they know whatever they stack now is mm -hmm. going to be available to, to their bloodline for a long, long time. Uh, so, yeah, I'd just like to get you guys' thoughts on, on kind of the fiat mindset against the, uh, the Bitcoin mindset and how that's changing. It's it's so horrible the 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 ski thing. I, I remember back in uh, like first or second grade, they really laid the ground for the socialist mindset in Sweden uh, in the schooling system. Uh, so they uh, they told us all uh, about 
everyone's equal value. That was very, very important, important lesson, according to the public school system. And no one ever, I, I always suspected there was something fishy going on there. Because <laughs> when you start to question what value is, you realize that there is no such thing as equal value. Nothing has equal value. Not not at two different points in time, not to different people, and not like everything is valued subjectively, and uh, not even the value of anything is like it. It changes over time for for each person. So so the, it's an it's an impossible goal to begin with. No one has equal value. Value isn't that. It's it's an it's in a different realm. You can't quantify it. Uh, which is what we're reading, rereading about in human action now. And I th think you said it brilliantly last time, uh, Robert. Like uh, praxeology, what which is what human action is about, is uh, to the subjective what mathematics is to the objective. Uh, and it perfectly describes the limits of what we can and cannot know about what people feel about things and how they value things, because. Uh, yeah, the the socialist system here wanted everyone to start equal, start off equally. So there's there's like high taxes on inheritance, and well, they basically try to wing clip every <laughs> every chicken before they learn how to fly. If chickens can fly, but uh, <laughs> uh, and it, and it's it's basically the same as fiat thinking. Uh, uh, keep the ducks in line. That's 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 the underlying mechanism. Bitcoin is a whole different thing. Yeah, it's um, it's corrosive, right? We we take for granted that we're born into this, basically born into the net outcome of a history of capitalism, right? We've been our ancestors were figuring things out, accumulating capital, building savings for the future, right? Savings in terms of capital stuff, buildings, equipment, food stuff, processes, trade networks. We've been laying this groundwork and infrastructure, like they, they were laying groundwork and infrastructure to the benefit of future generations because they were operating with a lower time preference, right? They were, they were thinking and making decisions beyond their own lifetime. And now I've never heard of this, by the way, the ski thing. That's very disgusting. Uh, I would say that is another symptom of fiat currency inverting those incentives. It's like, don't accumulate capital. Why create anything saving? Why save anything meaningful for the future? Just think within the scope of your own life, right? Spend your, your what was it? Spend your kids' inheritance. It's inheritance. Yep. That's crazy. It's like, just consume capital instead of create and accumulate capital. Like that, those are the incentives, the poisonous incentives that are intrinsic to fiat currency that Bitcoin is like an antidote for. It just, it fixes that yeah. nonsense. Uh, because if you follow that path too far, by the way, what happens? If everyone just keeps consuming all the capital there is and no one does anything to fix it or replenish it, where do we end up? We end up back where we started, like in total abject poverty. You know, wrestling yeah. bears with our bare hands, kind of thing. It's like, <laughs> who wants that? Nope. Yeah, fiat, fiat, fiat is the is the illness, and uh, Bitcoin is the red remedy. That's right. Yeah. All right, guys. 
writing who's doing what rob you're doing your book you got to shill your, your your book yeah i'm working on um the book uh i think I, t- I already went through that last time with you on sort of what it aims to do but i just want to root money in first principles and in doing so uh destroy central banking in the process. Um, I've also been- about <laughs> That's a clear goal. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just the, it's the problem in the world. And then I'm writing a series on sovereignism that kind of goes through the sovereign individual thesis. Um, so yeah, I'd encourage people to check that out too. Knut, what have you got up your sleeve? Yeah, well, the last couple of articles I've written, uh, I, I, I'm getting into this. Uh, it feels kind of repetitive. I, I feel I'm 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 repeating myself. Uh, I still enjoy doing it, but but I'm, I'm more and more considering trying something else, like writing fiction or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll 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 see what happens. Um, I'm I'm not really sure. I have to have a good idea first, but I'm. Definitely com- contemplating writing something longer again, uh, because it has been so rewarding to do so in the past. And uh, main goal now is just to get my ass over to Miami somehow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Same here. Well, I uh, would ask the orange pool question, but you guys have answered it so many times. You're very. I'm sure you're bored of it. So. Oh, I. The <laughs> canoe. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, Knut, I, I know I've lined, an answer to it. You, you've actually done some homework for once unbelievable all right come on then yeah if you had, yeah, one, yeah. If you the had... Time the question isn't taking me by surprise <laughs> if you had one orange pill left to give to someone who would you give it to and why i would like to give it to the brilliant thinker and author douglas murray a fellow countryman of yours <laughs> so Go, who is he uh, yeah he wrote an excellent book called the madness of crowds and he wrote another one called the strange death of europe and i can recommend them both dearly there uh he he's got a very very sober perspective of what is going on in the world um and especially i like the madness of crowds especially uh, which is about this, the uh, uh, like gender, sexuality, and uh, uh, oh, <laughs> all, all sort of uh, identity. It's a, it's basically about identity politics, politics, and how how destructive they are, and why why we ended up talking so much about uh, identity politics. And he's a he's a gay man himself, so uh, so it's it's funny coming from him and seeing seeing his per- perspective on these things. So I, I can really recommend his stuff. He writes art, really brilliant articles of, as well. Uh, he's, he's moderated debates between Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson. Maybe you know of him, uh, Robert? Yeah, I've seen the debates. Yeah. Do you know, uh, do you know his writing? I don't know his writing, though. I haven't read it. Uh, How about you, and Rob? He's brilliant in interviews as well. You check him out. Yeah. Um, I think last time I said it was going to be Joe Rogan and Jordan Peterson mm-hmm. looks like Rogan is sort of taken part of an orange pill. Maybe, I don't know, like slowly, but surely. Um, I would love to talk to Jordan. Like that would be 
he's been such a huge influence on my thinking and uh, especially in recent years. I've only discovered him maybe two and a half years ago and I've just devoured all of his content and his, his writing. Um, we're doing a book club actually with John Vallis and a few other people on his first book, Maps of Meaning soon. Mm-hmm. And I think everything he talks about, um, you know, the importance of free speech, the importance of individual sovereignty, and he's rooting it all back into, I guess, psychological and mythological principles. It's like Bitcoin is all of that. And, um, you know, it's the, the antidote to totalitarianism, which is something he, an evil that he accurately highlighted as the, the major problem in the 20th century. So that's like a dream of mine, have a conversation with him and hopefully deliver the orange pill wrapped in a language and narrative that he finds palatable. Um, yeah, I'd love that. Just, he's just been influential on my thinking. I would love to turn around and help influence his thinking about Bitcoin. And then I think the the intellectual remnant that that follows him, or that follows his thinking, is probably one of the strongest cohorts to Orange Pill in the world. Yeah. So if you get Jordan Peterson bought into it, then you get this whole other, like some of the smartest people in the world that follow his thinking. Um, it would just be very potent and powerful for Bitcoin. I'm I'm a uh, like. A huge fan of of Jordan Peterson as well. I have slightly mixed feelings about him. I think he's like ninety percent very intelligent, and like there's ten percent too much Deepak Chopra stuff in him. But uh, but uh, it's great to have him back. And I've seen his like he he did an interview with uh, Matthew McConaughey, I believe. Uh, and so he's back on the scene. He's doing stuff again after having a hard time for a year. So um, yeah, it's it's good. It's very nice to have him back because I've been missing him. I, I've realized I've missed him from the from the conversation conversations going on, on online. So yeah. All right, guys. Well, we're gonna have to wrap this up. It's been amazing having you both uh, on the podcast again. And uh, I really appreciate you both spending so much time. Is there anything you need to shill before we close this out? Rob, I know you've just picked up um, some responsibilities over at Swan. uh, So you might want to talk about that briefly. And anything, Knut, that you want to shill after that, Um, your, your new clothing brand, perhaps uh and whatever else you've got going on so <laughs> over to you rob yes yeah, i just launched uh swan private so i think i encourage everyone to just go check that out swanbitcoin.com slash private um i've you know recently launched the what is money show which is podcast slash youtube channel uh first guest was michael sailor for the sailor series which we're nine episodes in we've got at least one more, maybe maybe more after that, and then we're going to do similar series with other prolific thinkers in the world. Um, Jeff Booth is up next, and then we've got a, a big lineup behind that. And uh, you can check that out as at whatismoneypodcast.com, um, and then you can find links to everything I'm doing, all my work at on my Twitter page, which is at breedlove22, b r w e d l o v e two two. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff Booth. I'm looking forward to that one, Rob. 
I know. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm so super proud of uh, the fact that both Michael Saylor and Jeff Booth has uh, has read my book, <laughs> at least one of them. So, uh, one of the books that is. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that one. And I'm. I'm I'll finish this the Sailor series here. I'm. I'm spellbound by it. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I really, really like it. Yeah. Um, shilling stuff like uh, i have my books i i do my usual shill routine here these are my books uh, if you want to get them i write for citadel 21 magazine that's some excellent bitcoin content i wrote for uh, an art collective the last time around called 21ism they have a very cool website with uh, different type of content uh, and this is my uh, limited edition clothing line which uh, uh, Rob is dressed in a pirate copy version of, of it. Like, a, <laughs> the, the, this is a limited only to, only two hundred and ten items available. A limited edition collection. He, and this he's shirt, got the shirt is a fit one. Uh, <laughs> that's that's the bootleg uh, version. Yeah. Rob's got the uh, <laughs> Rob's got the hard fork version of uh, of Knut's uh, t-shirt. Yeah, he's which... Yeah. <laughs> Infinity divided by 21 million cash. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, it's been yeah. it's been great having you. Really appreciate you coming on, and uh, I look forward to the next show whenever we get to do that again. And perhaps, perhaps one day you guys will get to discuss religion. Yeah. One day, maybe, <laughs> one or day. maybe not. <laughs> maybe in the afterlife. Maybe in the, in the afterlife. After. We'll discuss it in the afterlife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you... <laughs> On that note, case closed. Did... Yeah. <laughs> did you hear uh, what 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 Christopher Hitchens had to say about free will? Of uh, if you had free will or not, he, he he was asked if he believed in free will, and he said, "Of course, you have free will. You have no choice but to have it." <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Excellent, guys. Yeah. Take care. I'll catch you on the next one. Thank yeah. you, guys. See you. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening. And thanks again to Rob and Knut for coming back and joining the Once Bitten podcast and sitting down to have this uh, conversation. As I said at the beginning, this was a blank slate uh, you could probably pick up on the vibes there. I hope you enjoyed it. That was about as uh, relaxed as a podcast I've, I've ever done. It was great just to hang out with these guys. Uh, Knut and I were drinking a few beers. Uh, Rob, of course, it was um, morning time for him, and he was drinking his blue drink. So um, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was great just to follow wherever the conversation took us and, um, and not be too structured with anything. And... Yeah, it's just great to hang out with a couple of Bitcoiners and, and, and shoot the breeze. So big, big thanks, as always, to both of these guys for the work that they do in the space. Knut has written two books. You can go and check them out, Independence Reimagined and Sovereignty Through Mathematics. He's also written many articles. His latest piece uh, you can find on 21ism.com. You can head over there and listen to the podcast they did with him about that article. And Citadel 21, he's writing for as well. There is, of course, all of Robert's work to catch up on. 
His articles are unbelievable. Go find his Twitter at Breedlove22. That will redirect you to his Medium posts. And you can go and listen to all of his work and Knut's work on Guy Swan's Bitcoin Order Pool podcast, which I highly, highly recommend for getting all of your Bitcoin content read to you and um, being able to keep up with all of these amazing works that keep coming out. And before we wrap up here, um, I've got a small chill for my own book that is called Choose Life. You can go and find that on Amazon, uh, any Amazon around the world, I think, pretty much. Uh, that was a self-published book. Uh, was published back in 2017, which chronicles the way that I managed to extricate myself from the 9 to 5 fiat world and uh, start taking life more into our own hands and how, hopefully, uh, our experience, um, my wife and I and our, and our, and our kids uh, might be able to help you think about doing something the same. Or if you're on the verge of making one of these life-changing decisions, perhaps this might give you the confidence to go for it. Last couple of shills, uh, playshamory.com. Go support the Bitcoin projects, especially if it's educational around Bitcoin towards kids, towards friends and family. This is a very cool, small little card game. You can put it in uh, the put it in your bag whenever you're allowed to travel again and uh, or just pull it out of the drawer and start playing with your friends or family whenever you're allowed to have them over again and it's a brilliant project and if you are looking for more things like that for kids uh, go check out at sats ledger uh, because that's another great bitcoin pod, uh, project that's been put together and as always coinfloor.co.uk forward slash bitten and swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten this is where you're going to go and be able to start stacking some sats or upping your stack with these companies if you use forward slash bitten you will save on commission with CoinFloor, and uh, in the us with swan if you use that you'll get a free 10 bucks so there's no excuse now to not start stacking we are still so early enjoy this bull run Thank you, everybody, for listening, for sharing, writing, reviewing, commenting, retweeting, whatever it is you do. It's all appreciated. I look forward to the next show. And uh, until then, take care and keep stacking. Bye-bye.